You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Episode, we'll be talking about Tom Waits, Swordfish Trombones. In the room, I have Rob. Hey there. And Ben. Hello, sir. On the line, I have Kyle. Hello, Guru. <laughs> Swordfish Trombones is the eighth studio album by the singer and songwriter Tom Waits, released in 1983 on Island Records. The producer was Tom Waits, and the genre is experimental rock. I'm going to read from the book Ross Fortune. Put simply, Tom Waits' career splits neatly in two, before swordfish trombones and after. Even Waits himself, a man partial to obfuscation, acknowledges this. This album was Waits moving away from what he would later refer to as my barfly lounge pseudo-jazz kind of period and embracing instead the shock of the new in the shape of Breck and Vale, Captain Beefheart, and Harry Parch. The meeting of his wife, Kathleen Brenna, had been the inspiration behind all this. At the odds with the mood of the time, the songs are mostly short and the words imaginative. The sound bent, rusted, twisted, and skewed. His previously signature lush orchestration, saxophone, and plain recording piano and guitar here are taken away in favor of a percussive carnival whirl of pump organ, marimba, and buckshot brass. It makes for a wheezing and moaning, clanking and creaking work of dark cinema. Uh, quote, there's a rumble gro- groan down below. There's a big town. It's a place I've found. There's a world going on underground. He barks on the album's opener, sort of a catching the fire and setting the tone. Another track, Frank's Wild Years, was taken on a life of its own. It f- formed the basis for Waits and Brennan's 1980. 1980- 86 stage musical of the same name, which in turn spawned a studio album of the following year. Indeed, Swordfish Trombones was the first part of an unintended Waits trilogy, along with 1985 Rain Dogs and Frank's Wild Years. Uh, an undeniable influence landmark album. It is Waits' first for Island Records after Warner Brothers had incredibly rejected it. What do we think of Tom Waits' Swordfish Trombones? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good. I suppose. <laughs> uh, dr- it's great. Dragons screaming. Were you hesitant on on this? Are you hesitant on Tom Waits later, um, or his growly, grizzled voice? Look, swordfish trombones. That title alone, I just <laughs> did not want to listen to this record. And after listening to it and like digging into it, and I guess his wife like got him into trout mask replica. Yep. I'm wondering if swordfish trombones was like. I don't know what should I call it? Uh, swordfish trombones, and they just stuck with it, you know? Because it's like, yeah, I don't know, just um, mishmash of words. But that first song, like Underground, I got really into it, and I, I found a, a theory that it's about mole catacombs underneath Stonehenge. Well, I mean, oh yeah, 
go on. Yeah. There's a there's a video of Tom Waits a couple years after this record, and he's like talking about being fascinated by mole catacombs underneath Stonehenge, and he talks about them a lot. You like, do and realize whole, that's probably just Tom Waits like messing with whoever's interviewing him. Like mole people, perhaps or like the rodent mole. Like moles, yeah, moles. They have catacombs, like voles. Do chipmunks have catacombs? Ask Tom Waits. Chipmunks right. have chunky cheeks. Oh, does that mean that they can't bury their dead in caves? I don't know why you guys aren't talking about Tom Waits right now, because Tom Waits is awesome. <laughs> I love Tom Waits, man. But uh, as why are you I, talking about chipmunks? As, as I have said multiple times, my <laughs> lovely lady wife got me into Tom Waits, but it was on the Alice Blood Money stuff. That was my first introduction. So it's just him fucking like sending like Cookie Monster just screaming carnival barking shit. Yeah. So this is like my Tom Waits. Right. This is my this is my first segue into this era of Tom Waits. I had like I, I I'm not personally I'm not like a I don't seek out Tom Waits. I'm not a big Tom Waits fan. But previously I was turned on to early Tom Waits, and you know I've got like I really dig Night Hot Sat in the Diner. I've mm-hmm. I, I got a copy of that. And, uh, and like closing time, like, uh, I thought that I like this, I like that Tom Waits and, and I thought that I wasn't going to be so much into like the Captain Beefheart Tom Waits cause it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a whole thing. Yeah. But my first, you know, like d- dipping my toes in the waters, I like Swordfish Trombones. Mm-hmm. I like everything on it. Yeah. So... Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe I just like Tom Waits. Is there a reason that you were hesitant and then a reason that it solidified that you do like it? I, I wasn't so much hesitant as I just didn't care enough to seek it out. Right. Uh, like I would hear Tom Waits in passing and I'd be like, well, that sure is something. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe not for me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people would play me the earlier stuff and I would be like, Oh, actually maybe this is for me. Like, I, I like this kind of like, like bar jazz yeah. type of stuff. So it's like, Oh, maybe I just like early Tom Waits. Who knows? But no, no. Yeah. Like, the, like, I don't know. I, I still don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to just dive into his catalog, mm-hmm. but so far I've liked everything I've heard. Yeah. I'll know? be very curious. Uh, Kyle, you and, and Ben, uh, once we get to Rain Dogs, because Rain Dogs is is like yeah. kind of a pinnacle for me. Uh, Rain Dogs is always the one that everyone tried to push on me. Like, yeah, my whole life. Well, you know, guys with ginger beards. You know, at the bar. Nothing worse. I love fucking Tom Waits fan, man. It's true. Like, they're, they're worse. A good ginger. They're worse than Mike Patton fans. They're yeah, they're worse. Right. They're 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 yeah. they're worse than uh, Zappa fans. Like yeah. it's yeah. It's it's a special breed of asshole who <laughs> self-identifies as a Tom Waits fan or fanatic, really. I would yeah, call them I, fanatics because I'm a fan yeah. and I don't feel like I would push. Oh, I would never in a million years be like drunk and be like, no, no, no. Blood money. We're doing this right now. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. But I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, it, it it tickles all of the little cilia in my ears uh, that are just into the avant-garde stuff. Like, when I was introduced to uh, to Tom Waits, it didn't, co- like, I was, I was surprised. I was like, oh, this is Tom Waits? This is awesome. But it was never like... Oh, how weird! What a what what a crazy sound this is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because I've been listening to fucking like 
bananas stupid shit like my entire life so this just seemed like oh oh yeah of course yeah. of course i love tom waits this is great yeah you know but if anyone who's not for the uninitiated yeah i imagine like this departure from like his uh jazz like oh they croony stuff it. like they were just like what the fuck is this, this is, bullshit this is judas <laughs> like this is dylan going electric for a lot of those purists who are, who are like wait we thought you were oh, i thought you were a hobo <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a sad hobo at the piano. Oh, but now you're a hobo screaming about <laughs> knifing people. <laughs> it's not, tr- I mean, I'm exaggerating, but yeah, there's definitely people who have a, a, a split from saying, because in the, in the very, very early Tom Waits, he has no gravel. There's nothing, you know, in his voice. He's trying to sing sweetly, and it's tra- it's crooner songs. It's Hoagie Carmichael yeah. stuff, right? He's a songwriter, and that's his craft, and he's going to play piano, sing his songs. I mean, three packs a day and a fucking, like, serious drinking problem yeah. gets you this gravel. And he and also... In an, he, in an, an introduction to Don Van Vliet. Fair. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, Dr. John, he yeah. also, at this time, too... I mean, there's no denying that uh, wrote down 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 and Joan, uh, gin soaked boy are just howling wolf songs. Yeah, they, he literally is saying, "I'm I'm remaking these old like blues songs in my in in what I'm doing for this album." And those two albums could just be on any uh, any howling wolf uh, classic howling wolf album. So M- musically. I think that I like this. I, I know, like, there's 15 years between them, so it's not really a fair comparison. But I l- sonically like the the. I know he's going for like a trout mask replica thing. I like the effect on swordfish trombones. I think better than I did on trout mask replica. Just like the 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 the, the cardboard drum mm-hmm. break drum, like like a uh, like rusty guitar broken calliope sound it's 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 a it's a it's always cool in concept i i, I love like just like the concept, well let's make it sound old and broken yeah you know and yeah captain beefheart did it first well the first one to do it intentionally and uh and it's definitely what he's pulling from but like like right now we're listening to like 13 shells from a 30 out six that song like that guitar tone uh, uh, 16 th- shells from a 30 out six you oh, don't, sorry you, you don't want some nerds <laughs> Six. Jumping sorry out of this. i don't please don't don't email me uh, <laughs> don't dox him please <laughs> 16 shells from a 30 out six like the guitar tone that cool the 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 two different pitch break drums yep yeah like just like the the, the yeah like the percussion that is just flat dead like it sounds cool and I know he's doing a Captain Beefheart thing, but maybe I, 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 the, in 83 it hits my ears better. sounds like too is i think he is 
Yeah, it sounds like that hobo, the junkyard, you know, band or something. It's like all everybody's sitting around, almost like in a movie, where everyone, like someone starts tapping something, and then another person's tapping the one thing. Band, yeah, yeah, everyone's. <laughs> yes, the Chili's commercials <laughs> from 1994. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Uh, but but it evokes that uh, that sort of scene of of these people just sitting around, you know, in the junkyard, hitting on whatever instruments happen to be around there. It's really a Marx Brothers move. If, if you want to go back to like origins of that that stuff, is is they would do or the spooky skeletons dancing or, around in the uh, or Spike graveyard. Jones. Yeah. Spike Jones did a lot of that like, stuff. Like a break drum is literally a break drum used as a drum. I played one in marching band. Yeah. Hmm. It's a it's a functional break drum. It certainly is. That yeah. you just hit with a mallet. That's why I have a ringing in my right ear. But but I think that sixteen Aww. shells is it has the perfect um sparseness and tonality that I you know, other bands who heard that, I mean there's hundreds of them today that are like trying to imitate that sort of element and incorporate it into songs that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say 100 percent. Um, Victor Feldman as a uh, as a mallet percussionist, I think he kind of makes the first half of this record like his bass marimba work is sure. what mm-hmm. like drives this whole thing. Um, yeah, which yeah. I was, yeah, like, yeah, the, the weird auxiliary percussion, like mm-hmm. taking the place of anything else like is it's so fucking cool. Yeah. A lot of mallet work this week. A lot of mallet work. Yeah. All, uh, uh, yeah, the the REM with the vibraphone mm-hmm. and, and a lot of mallet work in 1983. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I, I do think Tom Waits, I was trying to pick up on what, like, what is Tom Waits going for? Like, his inspirations, Captain Beefheart, of course, like Howlin' Wolf, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, what does Swordfish Trombones in um, Rain Dogs and those, like, where does that come from? And I think it comes from Exotica music. It comes from Martin Denny. It comes from uh, like Les Baxter and uh, Esquervo, or I think Esquivo. Esquivo. Um, Love me some Esquivo. So I was like, I was like, this sounds it's exotic music for hipsters fronted by Howlin' Wolf reading Kerouac. That's <laughs> like is is concise as I could put it for Swordfish Trombones of being like this sounds like but doesn't suck. The, but doesn't <laughs> suck. It sounds like he is picking up on those. Instead of taking the classical approach with with the strings for those previous albums, he is taking you know taking a different genre from an older time with marimba and these sort of percussive instruments that you would get in the South Seas, um, and and translating that. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't think about the exotic uh, like side of it. Um. Can we credit this change in sound in uh, Tom Waits' career to him marrying Kathleen Brennan? Were they married here, uh, or were they just... Yeah, uh, yeah it was... Oh, well, they, him, him meeting and being influenced. They, they eventually married. They were engaged, I believe, the last album. So I think they're okay. married at this point. I mean, to, to the to the point that, like, you know, Johnsburg, Illinois is literally him singing an ode to this town that she grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she introduced him to the weird stuff, to Captain Beefheart. She told him to break out of his shell, and he said that he felt like he had a nail in one foot and just kept making the same album. I couldn't imagine the Tom Waits of Nighthawks at the Diner being happily married in a few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Turns out. Turn, thing is, though. People grow. Who knew? 
Mm-hmm. Who knew that? So yeah, we all Kyle. we all read that article um, where he mentioned Harry Parch. Who listened to Harry Parch? Oh, I did. I didn't. Do you want to talk about that? I can. You want me to? Yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. So Harry Parch. I mean, he theorized. He's essentially the weirdo that we all know was out there, but people. I mean, if you don't know his name, it's Harry, Harry Parch. He created all these microtonality instruments. And he basically said there's no rules in the in the effect of of saying it, digging really deep into how we can completely uh, free ourselves from Western music and the, the ideas of having uh, pleasant sounds and why people tend to, you know, use certain chord changes. And he just said, we're throwing all that out the window and we're just creating like interesting sounds soundscapes essentially didn't when he get that when he got that realization he burned everything he had composed up to that point basically yeah he's a crazy person he's a a complete crazy person and then like decided to ride the rails for nine years (laughs) yeah nine Uh, years uh, is a uh, is a long time for a rail riding experiment unless it happens right when the great depression hits and then it's like oh i'm just i'm just the guy with the stove top hat (laughs) the the, the can opener kind of opened a little bit but he has a pen and paper so he's just writing he's writing down hobo like talk so uh, I think the connection is is that sort of, um, you know, on 16 shells, it's, you know, playing all those different instruments, being experimental in the way that, you know, these are not typical instruments that you would play in, in Western music or to have on any sort of pop song or or uh, or elements. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add, Kyle? I mean, it's it's hard to explain his ideas but i think once if when you see his music or see uh what he had composed it makes perfect sense it would be like if someone were to detune a guitar and play that guitar if people recorded his compositions i'm assuming yeah cool oh yeah he has did he record his own or did he like write music and people have performed it uh people have performed it um it's almost like a it was 1930 it's almost like pre just like Going into the studio and recording it yourself. Yeah, but, but it's po- I, it's post Stravinsky, like so, like atonality had already been like introduced yeah. as like a, a thing. So he he's taking atonality to the next, like. But why are we doing these scales? It feels like very Mike, Mike, yeah, Mike, yeah, Dada. Mike, yeah, I would say is yeah. it would yeah. be incorporating that sort of sentiment, uh, uh, that that element to it. It's almost like Moondog too. I know I, was, you're, I, I know man, you're familiar with Moondog. I would I was very tempted to bring up Moondog, but I didn't know if it was appropriate to bring up Moondog sure. when talking about Harry Potter. Sure. Always but at the same time he is Love me some Moondog. He is uh he is on the I would say Moondog is more interested in um you know creating you know soundscapes whereas Harry's like trying to deconstruct everything and literally like burn it. Yeah, Mo- Moondog, he's he still has structure. He, he's yeah. very interested in, in counter melodies. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna jump in because yeah. we're the the songs in our ears. This is uh, just another sucker on the vine, and uh, next to it, I wrote Neutral Milk Hotel should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> oh, right. or at least throw a yeah, crap. Okay. I wrote good, uh, such a wonderful whimsical interlude. Feels like I'm traveling to a distant you know to france or something is this track two side one yeah. this is side, side two, two track, track, one. track yes this track is how track side two starts yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, that's great it's yeah. nice it's yeah. very nice 
I like both instrumentals on here. Dave the Butcher is it, it if it was long I wouldn't like it, but it's short enough that I really enjoy it. And, and Rainbirds. I like, I like I think that there's three instrumentals oh, yeah, on Rainbirds. I like the the broken calliope sound of Dave the Butcher. I said it sounds like a monkey grinder trying to terrify children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very little round broke. Yeah. <laughs> nice. He came home from the war with a party in his head. The modified program to fill. And a pair of legs that opened up like butterfly wings. And a mad dog who wouldn't sit still. Went and took up with a salvation army band group. Played dirty water from a swordfish trombone. He went to sleep at the bottom of Ten Killer Lake. It's a cheap, but it's great to be home. Well, he came home from the war with a party in his hand. An idea for fireworks to split. Years. That's a wonderful short story, and I think that Halloween orange is a great color descriptor. Uh, Halloween orange is absolutely a dis- great like color descriptor. These yeah. these monologue short story songs, I I do like them, and they take me back to Michael Myers. So I married an axe murderer yes, woman. Whoa, yes. man, whoa, she man. took my cat. Uh, no, no, they take me back to uh, Nighthawks at the diner. Sure. And, and I, I I love the the literary like short storiness of that. And uh, but he's not coming across as a weird drunk. Like he, th- this sounds like a guy who just had two cups of coffee and is like just telling you a, a tale. My, yeah. Like one of my very favorite tracks on this album is Shore Leave. You know, it just it paints such a vivid picture of 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 the narrator's two days at some like East Asian port town. I don't know. It it, it, it took me there, mm-hmm. and that, that was cool. I was I was mowing the lawn and listening to Shore Leave, and I liked it. Like it, I was like, oh man, I would read I would read this book. I want to know more about this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Underground gets you right into the uh, the the whole like concept of the uh, the record. Just it's a shit ton of short stories about moles, <laughs> but about mole people. <laughs> Um, and, and monk catacombs. Yeah, such, such as Frank's Wild Years. <laughs> a fucking uh, troglodyte. <laughs> so Ben, uh, actually, who who listened to this for the first time? I'm sorry, Th- this is this was my first listen this week. Okay. This album. So swordfish trombones. That this is when I started thinking about that exotica. I mean, I thought about it before, oh, yeah. but, oh, but yeah. this like 100%. killed it for me. I was like, one. This just goes right back. To all that, uh, you know, Savage Land, Exotica 1 and 2. That's Victor Feldman, baby. Yep. And in 1983, Tom Waits should have hooked up with the specials and made an Exotica album. I know. Oh, man. Probably could have. Right? Yeah. Like, Tom Waits is on the same uh, like level of literary consciousness and like art movement shit that Nick Cave was, which would have made them horrible individuals to try to have a normal human conversation with. <laughs> they're label mates. I think they're both on anti, right? Uh, now they are. Yeah. yeah. Not like I, I couldn't like just, I'm not smart enough to talk to these guys <laughs> at this point in time. <laughs> For, 41 years in, like, the idea of trying to have a conversation with whatever year Tom Waits is, like, I 
I, I know I would just be like, oh, God damn it! I'm sorry. I ha- I'm sorry this happened. But I'm you so simply sorry. don't know enough hobo lingo. You wouldn't know what he was, You wouldn't understand what I he was talking about. Some hobo sign <laughs> lingo, but like just he's pulling from a well that I just wouldn't like. I'm I'm happy that I it's in my ears, but like I had no fucking clue who like half the people were that like that that this shit was influenced by. Captain Beefheart was the only person I heard, and honestly, I didn't hear that much of fucking like the guru in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, though, Tom Waits at this point is also new to these influences because it was Kathleen Brennan that yeah. turned him on to, like, for one, Captain Beefheart and probably probably a lot of the, like, the, the, the more, like, avant-garde stuff that he's now pulling from. I think she, I mean, if I had to guess, I think she was like, stop drinking and get weird. She's a genius. I know. Yeah. Man, I wish someone had said that to me. <laughs> In a good way. I really like Tom Waits, the actor. <laughs> yeah. He was, well, uh, yeah, he, no. He, he, Renfield? His, his little uh, vignette was my favorite part of that uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs that came out a few years back, the Coen mm. Brothers oh, that was, anthology. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. As, the, as the gold prospector. Yeah. I loved him in that. I mean, I love him in Down by Wall with John Lurie and... Rebe- uh, Roberto Benini. Mystery Men. <laughs> I love to confuse him for uh, uh, Johansson and, uh, <laughs> and Scrooge. <laughs> what do you think, Kyle? It's great stuff. I didn't oh, want to like it. You actually came around? Yeah, I didn't want to like it, but that extra week with it. Um, and it's my fault for putting it on uh, in my classroom. Those poor kids. I just, I just furrowed, yeah, my brow. I don't know. This is great stuff. Once I put the headphones on and kind of sunk my my toes into it, it was, it was great. It's a great record. I think it, it takes a will. This era, Tom Waits definitely takes a willingness to, you know, have that Cab Calloway meets Captain Beefheart like element. You have to be in for the a little bit strange, but also a throwback to a, you know, a period before our time or something like that i don't know and kyle if if you were if you've gotten into this that means you've already passed the 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 test and every other tom waits record is going to be pretty much like okay to your eardrums well i i i think i said it last time we were talking about a tom a tom waits record um yeah i had bone machine in high school and i listened to it a few times but you know also, by soldiers' things, I drew a little sad face crying. Oh, yeah, a very sad song. We'll talk about Rain Dogs when it comes up, but man, very excited for you guys to hear Rain Dogs if you haven't heard it before. Because it is, I'm into it. Yeah, it is like actually wrote down. Bring on Rain Dogs! Yeah, exclamation point. Yeah, it is. Um, it incorporates a lot more people. This one, you know, does have a lot of guests, uh, people and in, in studio people, but that one feels is, more like a band. Like everyone is. Is Rain Dogs on the, the first course. one that um, uh, Keith Richards could be comes in on? Wait, Keith Richards is on Rain Dogs. He's on most of Tom Waits's like post Swordfish Trombone stuff. Are they like bosom buddies? Um, they're just cool collaborators, man. Cool, I like that. Uh yeah, he's he's definitely on the next one cool. on the Rain Dogs. That's yep. cool. I had no idea that they were collaborators. So That's six cool. six fourteen five. So not a not every song, but obviously not every song has guitar. So, but yeah, that's definitely when I when I put on an album, um, 
probably uh, rain dogs is probably like the half the time I'll put on rain dogs <laughs> if I'm listening to Tom Waits. A uh, cool cover photo. Yeah. Oh yeah, for this one. Yeah. The sort of freaks. Yeah, with uh, Angelo Rosito and uh, Lee Kalima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great cover. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very striking with the. It's um, it's sort of a painted. Yeah, it's like a painted uh, photograph. Uh, is it a? It's a tin tone. Oh, pa- okay. Pa- a painted tin tone. Okay, I could see that. And then yeah. I, I love the um, yeah, the sort of like art decoy um, uh, fonts. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really we haven't talked about uh, uh, some of the art from is albums for a while. Lee Kalima was he on? Was he in Plan Nine from Outer Space? I believe, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I uh, so. In the, the lower left there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. He was just. He was. He was like the. He was the big monster dude. Yeah. Yeah, like the the, the equivalent of like Frankenstein's monster for the, for the movie. <laughs> I love the the book in here. Sometimes they'll put in quotes if they have what uh, quotes, but for Tom Waits one, it just says, "I never liked chinchillas." <laughs> uh is everybody on positive yeah 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 okay yeah uh, like i said the crazy hobo carnival barker um is my preferred tom waits and he's just from here on in he's backed by just extraordinary like talents in the um like in in the studio like yeah it's it's amazing it truly amazes me what comes next. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Good job, Tom. Awesome. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the Blue Nile, a walk across the rooftops. And